0: Writer Kerry Harrison delves into her memories of taking part in the 1981 anti springbok tour protests for her latest novel, Hold the Line. In the book, she introduces legal student Beth, who joins in the protests, to Victor, who's a member of the secretive police red squad. They keep secrets from each other when they first get together, and this tests the fledgling relationship. Beth and her brother Rob's anti-tour stance put them in conflict with their rugby fanatic father. Rachel Smith reads from Hold the Line. Someone calls...
1: Keep on going. Don't stop. Just run onto that field. And suddenly Beth is swept down, her hand firm in Sharon's, charging, stumbling as they barge down. A human wave through the stunned crowd. In no time they're charging the terraces, vaulting the seats. An older woman in a knit skirt trips over, sprawling out like a broken doll. A protester in a white face mask pushes aside a portly farmer easily identified by his toweling hat and rubicund face. As Beth slows for the steps down to the field, she glances back. The farmer rights himself. He looks straight at her, face perplexed, eyes refocusing. Then she's running across the pitch, past the startled rugby officials. One official, small and agile, rain-hat flapping, takes a dive, attempting to tackle her, but she sprints over him, heading to the centre with the others who are running down like a human tide from the bank from what must be the breached fence. What looks like some monks scramble along with a giant cross. Other protesters help them keep their symbol upright. In their black robes they reach out trying to clutch the white cross, looking like crusaders ready to do battle with the infidel. For a moment it seems there are more protesters than spectators. There's a settling, a regrouping as they find each other, grabbing arms, drawing in, and suddenly the human tide seems small in comparison to the massive bodies circling the field and the stands, howling outrage like dogs.
0: Kerry, first of all, before we delve into the novel, what are your own memories of nineteen eighty one and the Springbok tour? Well,
2: I was a young woman of twenty three. I would had a little baby. His name is Julian, and he was only yeah he was only very little. I had been in UK the year before, and so yeah, I was settling back into New Zealand with this little baby, and suddenly this whirlwind started and my family were quite involved. You know, my family's quite a political family. So we talked about it a lot. Um, I felt quite passionate about it. One of my brothers had been to South Africa. He'd, um, he'd seen, you know, what that meant for black South Africans for himself, and he shared that with us, and I always remember the stories he told about it. So, yeah, I went out there and, and marched, and I got hit in the stomach by a baton in the last test in Auckland. Quite, you know, it was really the full force of a baton and it was nowhere near the terrible injuries that happened to others. But it certainly, it seared
0: itself literally into my memory. I did wonder because there's a very evocative chapter where where Beth is caught in uh, one of the the, um, clashes Mm. and something not dissimilar to what you were talking about happens to her and I wondered if that was kind of in a way first person yeah definitely
2: because I had a baby at home I didn't I pulled back unlike Beth who keeps on going once that happened to me I just found a way to exit and go back home so a little bit different in that way
0: oh Beth though I mean in a a way she takes a little time doesn't she to get into it. You know, she's studying and she's involved, but it seems to me that as she talks, say, to her brother, to Rob or to other members, she kind of becomes gradually more and more involved in it to the point where obviously she's very dedicated. Yes. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's, that wasn't uncommon.
2: Obviously, there were people who felt very passionately from the beginning, but she's pulled in different directions as well because of her father. And his love for rugby and the kind of whole rugby tradition. And because of his sort of mental health, you know, she doesn't want to
0: rock the boat, I guess. And Rob, who as I mentioned before, is very passionate about that, he he doesn't really have those concerns. He's just going for it. And I guess what we have here, and it was echoed around the country, were deeply divided families. And it mm. were that often incredibly deep divisions, weren't they? They were.
2: And I think they, they became lasting for some families. Um, it was very hard to repair the broken relationships. But, yes, it was, um, it was often husbands and wives, you know, and some women felt like um, rugby had dominated their life and they were always in the kitchen, you know, wash, cooking up some great um, feast after the game or doing all the washing. And So husbands and wives, um, brothers... It was all through our society. I think there were,
0: the divisions were there. Was layers and layers of division. There were different motivations also for those who were on the side of protesting against the tour. Yeah, and
2: and he's you know often they're informed by people's own experiences in childhood, or you know. So it's it's not wasn't just a simple thing. I don't think of of just going out to protest. I think, like everything, you know, there's so many different things going on in our heads
0: when we make those decisions. So you've got Beth and her family. We also, of course, need to talk about Victor. And this is really, he's the one with whom you start the novel, uh, Mm. who's come back to New Zealand to be involved in training for the police approach to the uh, expected, the anticipated at that stage tour. What's this based on? Well, I had
2: heard a story of a red squad officer, and I'm sure this wasn't wasn't uncommon, who had suffered quite a lot of trauma after the tour, because some of them uh, were just young and just kind of got wrapped up in something that became huge, and I think they were some were a little bit more innocent about it at the beginning. Um, and I guess it was hard to pull back, so I wanted to represent that voice. I read Ross Murant's, and I have to ac- acknowledge this book, the story of the Red Squad, which I got out of the basement of Auckland Library. I gleaned some idea of their movements and where they trained and um, how they where they journeyed and things. So what's Victor's backstory? He's Croatian, of course, and he... He's, his parents are immigrants, and you know he's lost his brother, and he's a little bit lost. I think as an immi- as an immigrant, his parents don't really attach themselves to the rest of the Croatian culture, which is unusual. His father's a kind of an angry man, so you know he's he's got a lot of uh, got a few things going
0: on. As I was reading this, and I knew you were going to get Victor and Beth together, and they do meet at university, I was listening to the podcast recently, Bed of Lies, which was about how the police infiltrated protest groups and and deliberately sometimes had their officers get involved. Often the men took it much further than was intended. And I thought that might have been the case here, but that's not how you bring them together, though Victor is at university very specifically.
2: Yeah, and police often do take law papers. So that wasn't unusual, but mine's a little bit different than that.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, it's complicated as lives are. Victor does have a partner, and he's clearly very fond of, of her, but she's she's very different to Beth, and he's at the same time attracted to Beth, I mean, genuinely attracted to both women.
2: Mm. Yeah, and, and, and again, that was a sort of like pull of people... We're pulled many different directions, aren't we? But I think in, in those days we forget how traditional in many ways society was, and I suppose especially for him and his family. And so, you know, to have a match with somebody from his own community was very attractive. But she's also a really,
0: I think she's a, a good person, you know, and, and he does, yes, he, he loves her too. Although as time goes on, he is in a situation where, I mean, they're both holding things back, aren't they? I guess that's yeah. one of the, the, the reasons that the relationship is so troubled. He, for whatever reason, he doesn't even really know himself in the early stages why he doesn't tell her that he's a police officer studying in mm. the university. She's also holding things back mm. and that's a test for the relationship. Oh, absolutely. You know, I guess it was a time of,
2: of masks and deception as well. Like you could hide Police could hide behind their visors. Protesters could hide behind their helmets, and often they did have
0: those, those kind of very airy white face masks. And Victor gets, I guess, an insight into how young people like Beth feel about that. Why they're prepared to take such action? Why they're prepared to throw their physical, emotional, and physical selves into the protest action? Um, But you have, you know, some of his mates are not so sympathetic, and they are genuinely upset by some of the actions that the protesters take, say if they're protesting in front of a a significant memorial, for example. I mean, they are genuinely affronted by the protesters' actions.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure that would have been quite a strong feeling amongst quite a number of the police, that they felt cynical or, you know, slightly disgusted, felt alienated from what the protesters were protesting about. It was like a very much divided
0: society. At one stage, Victor and Beth are having a very candid conversation about protests, and he's saying, look, apartheid is human, he said but half of the protesters at Hamilton on the Hamilton grounds don't know their own history and he, he goes through he said by letting the box come here we're not saying we approve of apartheid any more than by having a Chinese ping pong team here uh, we're not saying we like communism and that was an, a not uncommon argument people weren't saying apartheid was okay they just wanted a separation between sport and politics yeah I think that was a genuine feeling, and and you know in some ways
2: Victor is, is right. You know we we had a we had a legacy in it and still have in our country of inequality and some very unfair things have happened in in our society to a number number of groups. So yeah, and I think also for Baz that was fairly st- strong as well. Like he. He had his own, he has a sporting kind of philosophy that sport can bring people together. And that was a common belief at the time. I, I, I don't know if you recall that, but they think there was a feeling that by playing a game, you know, we should be able to, you know, find joy and camaraderie and
0: celebration. As time goes on, some of the police officers in the novel, there views change, and they're really shaken by the orders that they're given mm. and what happens. I mean, they didn't sign up to the police to hurt other people in, in that way.
2: No, and that's the reality of what happened. And, yeah, they would have been genuinely shocked by the behaviour of some of their, their comrades. It was, um, it was very violent. I guess the thing is that they... And I, I hope to have represented this too. Were faced with a lot of violence and threats, and they might have felt quite scared. And I'm sure some of them did. But then others would have been enraged, and that would have just, you know, added to their feeling of disgust or opposition to what the protesters were on about. But characters like Silesi, for instance, you know, some of these men. They took their job in a very professional way, I guess. They had families
0: to feed. They were proud of their jobs. I remember at the time thinking, and there was conversation around this too when I was a young journalist covering the tours, that the country, and in fact families, would never recover, that the divisions in so many families and so many communities were so deep that that... that you can never push past that. Mm. It feels like we did, but it, mm. it took a long time. Yeah, there was a very
2: anti-police feeling as well because of the behaviour of some in the police force and the terrible injuries. I mean, let's not forget that. There was the most horrendous injuries to protesters as well as a few police And yeah, so there, was, there had to be healing. I think it, was, it did change our society in positive ways. And I guess it's also about the dominance of, of rugby, you know, and how it informed our narrative as a society. It still does. And so that kind of got knocked off its peg a little bit.
0: Hold the Line by Kerry Harrison is published by Cloud Inc. Press.